What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.
Yo, what's up, guys? Welcome to the Friday morning NFL strategy show presented by Osmo.com. I'm Alex Baker. I'm joined today by Adam Scher. Adam, how you doing, man? Pretty good. Excited to be doing a little bit more football content, filling in for Josh while he's on vacation, uh, slacking on not wanting to do preseason NBA work, so he took a vacation. Um, but excited to be filling in. Always nice to talk about a different sport. Definitely, man. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I feel like you're selling yourself short a little bit because you've been killing it on all the NFL shows. But um, yeah, it's cool to be able to do this. Uh, where we're talking about like single entry and three ranks because I know that in particular has been a big focus of yours that you said on other shows. So um, I guess just before we start getting into stuff, like what is your general approach on single entry and three max since, uh, you know, we haven't uh, done the, this show before? Yeah, I mean, in general, I think, I don't want to say that I play chalky, but chalkier than I would in, you know, like a Millie Maker type tournament, just because there's fewer entries, fewer um, lineups that you have to beat. Opponents in general, like, are, are less likely to have really off the board plays. So you don't need to be quite as perfect as you do in those large field tournaments. So I think in single entry and three max, I focus a little bit more on just finding plays that I think are on their own as opposed to worrying as much about just raw ownership numbers as I would in a larger field tournament. Thanks, man. Yeah, I think that uh, in single entry, three max, a little bit softer fields. So the chalk is just better than it would be in uh, some of the, the sharper contests or, or the 150 max where like, you get a lot of grinders that, that are slamming all the good plays of the week. So I think that's a good strategy. We got uh interesting slate here and I know we're just kind of breaking getting into it for the week because last night we had that showdown uh so first game on the slate we got Denver versus Carolina man Denver like they they've really been uh not doing great uh so far this season I'd say their offense is among one of the worst that being said they do have some some interesting talents like Tim Patrick who's been getting it done on a regular basis. What do you make of these Denver Broncos in the match versus Carolina? Yeah, I mean, it's a favorable matchup against a, a Panther secondary that hasn't been good this year. The problem, you know, obviously is that the, the Broncos offense itself isn't very good. Um, Drew Locke, certainly a question mark at quarterback, but he does have talented receivers. Like you said, Tim Patrick's taken a step forward this year. Jerry Judy is talented uh it's a matter you know kind of of you know if lock can can connect with him um but i do think that this game gives us some value on what so far at least is a slate that is kind of lacking at in skill position value um you know obviously that can change between now and sunday but right now at least we don't really have those really good value plays that we've had in, in some previous weeks so I, I do have some interest especially at, at these low ownership numbers in looking to some of these uh denver receivers in you know a pretty good spot as four you know three and a half four point underdogs definitely yeah i think that uh you have some cheap players on this on this broncos team Carolina has been the more exciting uh, team this year and uh, they have Christian McCaffrey out again. So that is obviously something that makes Mike Davis somewhat interesting. The big news is DJ Moore went on the IR. Curtis Samuel is on the COVID list currently because he's close contact. He has not been ruled out for week 14 yet. So we don't know exactly what's going on at wide receiver. But what do you make of these Carolina Panthers? 
Yeah. So with more out, you know, you would expect there to be more targets to go around. It doesn't always, I mean, I think one thing to, to mention or to note is that it doesn't always like the, the number one or, you know, number one B receiver, whatever you want to call DJ Moore, being out doesn't always translate to a bigger game for his counterpart um, because you see more defensive focus go to that receiver. You see, um, you know, maybe a little bit less efficiency, even if they get more opportunities, but it does at least increase the ceiling, I think, because you just have one less guy that you're competing with targets for. So at the very least, I think Robbie Anderson's um, ceiling increases. Uh, maybe, you know, the medium projection doesn't move as much as some people might think, but uh, it, it does increase there. You know, Curtis Samuel, obviously you'll want to pay attention to that news, but uh, with McCaffrey most likely or, or already ruled out, um, there's the opportunity again, you know, that plus more there, there's plenty of touches to go around. We've seen Samuel Samuel used out of the backfield at times this year as well. So if he is in, I think he's another place that we can look to for some value. That's funny. I think Samuel, as you're saying, like you're looking for the bump in playing time when the guy goes out since uh, Robbie Anderson was playing every down anyway, like he's not going to see more playing time. It's just target share. That maybe goes up a little bit, but Curtis Samuel, he runs routes usually on about 70% of plays, so he stands to get a little bit more work at 5,200. That's a nice value. Now, the next game, Minnesota versus Tampa Bay. Uh, we've seen Minnesota be aggressively chalky every single week, and it's worked out for guys. Like, Dalvin Cook even got there last week on, like, overtime, and Justin Jefferson has had some really big performances. You put him up against a Tampa Bay team that is tough in run defense and uh, decent versus pass. So Minnesota's a big underdog here. What are you thinking with Minnesota? I actually really like the ownership numbers on Minnesota right now because even though they are big underdogs and Tampa Bay does have a solid defense, it's still about a 23-point implied total for Minnesota, which is is pretty healthy. But the other thing that's just really nice about the Vikings is that their touchdown production is so concentrated to basically three guys, um, you know, mostly going to Dalvin Cook and Adam Thielen in the red zone and then Justin Jefferson having big play potential. Um, Irv Smith potentially could take a step up this week as well as a cheap tight end um, option but because of the touchdown equity that you get concentrated to essentially cook Thielen and, and Jefferson normally you like you said you see a lot of ownership going to them but it's a little bit tougher to get to them this week because the there's not as much value on the slate they're not in quite as favorable a spot as they have been in recent weeks but that doesn't change the fact that these guys are essentially you know they account for so much of the offense so um in you know these three max and single entry tournaments i think looking to one of these minnesota guys if their ownership holds where it is right now is going to be pretty appealing yeah uh i think that you make some good points about how much of a share of the offense each of these three guys has. Um, my my theory with the Minnesota Vikings is a uh, new man on the Minnesota Vikings. So I'm always trying to go to someone different each week. Dalvin Cook was the one I had last week. So maybe I'll go to Thielen or Jefferson this week. Now, uh, Tampa Bay, uh, Minnesota's defense is about average, I would say. Tampa Bay is really had some some rough outings they've had some good outings projected for 30 points here and um they've been hard to peg just because the workload is split among a few alpha receivers and also uh, at running back there's a timeshare so i found them pretty hard to to get to in an ordinary week what are you thinking this week 
Yeah, kind of the exact opposite of what we just talked about with Minnesota, where you have obviously the higher implied team total for the Bucks as their favorites here. But there's just so many different ways that production can come from this team. And even if they do, let's say they do score 30 points, there's really no guarantee that any one particular player is someone you have to have in tournaments because it can just so easily be spread out amongst them. So I, th- I think the game stack here will be appealing. But as far as one-off you know, individual players, um, I-, I think it's going to be harder to really pinpoint guys uh that being said you know the ownership is pretty low on the entire team right now especially for a team that has an implied total as high as tampa's um looking at their like receiving numbers or or target share since antonio brown joined the team the average the highest average target share for any of these guys is mike evans at 21 and a half percent godwin's at 18.8 brown's at 17.4 so it kind of reinforces that there's not one individual guy that's going to jump out i don't think in, in terms of projection that doesn't mean that none of them can have you know one of them can't have a big game but it's just going to be really really difficult to i think nail down one guy that you really want to roster from this team i agree completely yeah it's uh been really tough to play it is crazy that mike evans is their highest priced guy in DraftKings. like because i was thinking maybe he's even like the third receiver now that that brown is in the mix but uh, you make some good points about target share having been pretty high recently Green Bay. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. Like, even if you watch their games, it's almost like they sometimes go drive by drive, like predetermined who they're going to feed the ball to on that particular drive. Like, they, they have so many talents and pieces on this offense. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so they have upside. It's just like, can you nail the right guy? That's tough. Green Bay, though, they're much easier in this matchup versus the Lions. They're big favorites. The Lions, of course, just fired their head coach last week. So they're in a little bit of turmoil. Um, and we have uh, Green Bay projected for 31 and a half points. It's one of the higher t- team totals we've seen this year. Aaron Jones got it done last week, winning people a ton of money. Devontae Adams has been a huge fantasy performer all year. Uh, what way are you going on the Packers? This week? The, yeah, I mean, Devontae Adams obviously jumps off the page. He's really expensive and you know maybe with the lack of value it can be kind of tough to get there but the the thing that I really like about Adams every week um, is that normally we talk about receiver being a more volatile position and floors being lower relative to you know expensive running backs but it's not really the case for Adams because for one this offense is is a good offense that's capable of moving the ball. Aaron Rodgers is going to force the ball to Adams pretty much no matter what, but they also just use him so heavily in the red zone. Um, He's almost like a goal line receiver. Like they get down inside the five and they just throw it to Adams until he catches one for a touchdown. So it's, uh, I think, a higher floor than you typically get with receivers, which is really nice. And then here, you know, you factor in a great matchup against the Lions. You're playing indoors. It's a Lions team that's been really bad against the past this year. There's really just nothing for me to dislike about Adams. You know, I expect that he'll get ownership on the slate because it's obviously a really good spot. He's one of, if not the highest projected player on the slate, but um, I I don't really care. I just think it's such a good spot that I, I really want to get to Adams. Nice. Yeah, I mean, he's been incredible this year. The, the numbers are off the charts. Um, he's been targeted on 31% of his routes. Uh, that That's insane. And, I mean, he's very efficient with him catching 76%. So, it's incredible year he's been having. And then you put him in a, a great matchup. I feel like he's probably one of the best overall plays. Uh, Detroit, I feel like Green Bay's off our defense hasn't been great this year. It's not 
if you I agree matchup, but um it's hard to know exactly what's going on in Detroit this week because DeAndre Swift is coming off this injury. Uh it was a concussion, but then Adrian Peterson said he's not looking like himself since then. Kenny Galladay is coming back, but he uh, the latest report says he might be limited. So I'm finding it hard to love any lines this week. Are you seeing any uh, any value here? Yeah, I mean, I think right now it's really tough to really love any of these guys. The Galladay news is is such a big piece because if he's fully healthy and, and not limited, then he's the number one receiver in this offense. Whereas if he were to sit or be be limited we've seen Marvin Jones get at least 10 targets in three out of the last four weeks this is a game where Detroit is likely to be playing from behind but again they you know they have a, a pretty solid 23 and a half implied point total um so Marvin Jones is like the one guy here that I'm I'm focused on I guess to a lesser extent TJ Hawkinson as well because tight end is, is just such a tough position to fill but um paying attention to Galladay news kind of just to try and, and figure out how much I do have interest in guys like Jones and and Hawkinson Definitely. Yeah, if he's out, then that'll be a bump for them. One thing I'm looking at with Detroit is because they have that head coach, head coaching change, it could be a change in strategy. Last week, they had a rushing rate of only 39% at neutral game scripts. You can find that on the Osmo advanced stats page. That's significantly lower than their season average of 47%. So I'm thinking that maybe we see a little bit more Stafford passing. Um, I mean, like, it's, uh, DeAndre Swift was... Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It was also out for that game, so that could have had a... a, a role in it but um that is something we need to monitor going forward <clears throat> houston versus chicago we got um some tough uh matchup for houston here but they're favored because chicago's offense is so weak david johnson came back last week he's full go now uh cooks kind of disappointed last week i think he like has some sort of injury that he got taken out of the game a little bit. Like, Kuti, like, man, he just, like, went off. And Chad Hansen, some dude that had to play snap, <laughs> he was uh, he was actually, like, amazing last week. He played on 94% of the snaps. That was more than Kuti, and he got seven targets. And uh, that was one we definitely didn't see coming. <laughs> so what are you making of this the situation uh, in Houston? 
I, I think the Houston side's kind of tough for me because you saw pricing come up. You know, Kiki QT's up to, to 5K on DraftKings, which is like a $1,500 price bump. Chad Hansen's up to 3900 which obviously is still cheap, but there's no guarantee that, you know, his role last week carries over to this week. Um, Cooks' salary came up a little bit. It's, it's a tough matchup against Chicago as well. Um, you know, ownership on Cooks looks like it's not too high. You know, obviously he was like the highest or one of the highest owned players on the slate last week. Um, I, I just... I'm kind of nervous about going to Houston here just because there are so many different ways this game can go. And I don't think there's any one particular price point that is overly appealing in the spot. Well, I can tell you one way it will definitely go is David Montgomery will dominate like he does every week in the NFL season versus Houston team. He's actually delivered for us in the last two weeks, which was a pleasant change given that uh, I don't think he had a, a pretty like a good week before that. Now, uh, you put him in a, a matchup versus a Houston team that's not that great, but his price is also kind of high. So uh, what it, his ownership seems to be one of the higher on the slate, too. What are you thinking about Montgomery this week? Is he a sell-high candidate? I think that there's a couple of things to really like about the Bears. Um, Montgomery, I think, is fine. You know, his salary did come up. It jumped almost $1,000 since last week. The The good thing about Montgomery, you know, obviously you can get into his um, efficiency issues and, and abilities are running back, but he he's been targeted a lot more since uh, Tarek Cohen's injury, and that that was always a knock on him from a DFS standpoint is that he didn't have a big enough receiving role. Um, he does have that now. We saw Cordero Patterson steal like ten or eleven carries last week, which was unexpected. Don't know if that continues going forward, but Montgomery himself still got, I believe, it was seventeen carries. So the opportunities are still there for him. The work in the passing game ha- has been nice. It's a favorable matchup against Houston. That being said, you still at this price point, you're reliant on him getting into the end zone to really have a game that you you want at that salary. And the Bears still do have plenty of issues um, offensively. Um, Houston, though, is just such a, a terrible defensive team, especially now that they're missing um, one of their, or their their top corner as well. So it shouldn't help or it shouldn't help their defense any there. So um, I, I think Montgomery's still fine. I don't think he's as good a play as he was last week when he was a lot less expensive. Nice. Uh, yeah, I think good play. I'm kind of thinking maybe the recency bias gets him higher on than he would be otherwise, but that doesn't mean that he's one of the better options on the slate. Kansas City, um, they're always one of the best teams to stack. Miami's defense has been decent, though. So um, Tyreek Hill obviously had a huge monster game two weeks ago. Uh, Kelsey has been really consistent. And one of the things on the site of course is the top stacks tool uh in my top stacks tool i give the probability that each one will be the highest scoring of the week we got 26 teams here in kansas city i have at almost oh one in uh one in four chance at 22.7 percent i mean uh, yeah you gotta love those odds right (laughs) Yeah, great. You know, great. Obviously, and anytime you get to Kansas City is great. The only I think the only I think the only thing that'll make it difficult is when you're talking about a stack here. Like if you're going Mahomes Hill plus Kelsey, you're you're spending a ton of money. Even if you're just going with Mahomes plus Kelsey or Mahomes plus Hill, you you are spending a lot of money here on a slate where there's not a ton of value. So I don't know how easy that will be to do. But if you're able to do it, and then you know find some some value that does have high upside to, to fill in. There's certainly no reason not to be looking to Kansas city. Awesome. I agree completely. Miami, uh, Tua kind of had a little bit of a breakout last week. Um, 
but there are a lot of good quarterback performances. But his stats did look markedly better than they had been. Uh, and then Miles Gaskin is kind of a workhorse back in Miami. So I'm seeing some decent options here. Any luck for the Dolphins? Yeah, really interested in a couple pieces in particular. You mentioned Gaskin. He's still only 5,600, so his price has actually come down a little bit from last week when I thought he was one of the best, if not the best, running back plays on the slate. Um, he's the workhorse back here. They they didn't you know ease him in last week coming back from injury or anything. Like He was a full go. He got 21 carries last week. Um, Patrick Laird was next with three. Like there's no question about who the, the number one running back in this backfield is. You saw a bunch of um, red zone carries for Gaskin last week as well. He didn't capitalize, but you know, he still got them and he's involved in the passing game. Um, he only had two targets last week, but prior to that, he hadn't had fewer than four targets in a game this year. So he kind of checks all those boxes. The only thing from a running back standpoint that he doesn't check off is that the Dolphins are touchdown underdogs here, but the salary is affordable. The role is nice. Um, you can run on Kansas city a bit. So I really like Gaskin. And then I like looking to Mike Jasicki as well. He's certainly been disappointing this year. Uh, I think a lot of people coming into the season expected kind of a breakout year for him. And that hasn't really happened, but he is still involved in the passing game. Kansas City's done a really good job of limiting opposing receivers this year. I think that Yasiki maybe could see a little bit of a bump, um, you know, kind of running routes over the middle and and he's cheap and the position's bad. So um, I think that Gaskin and Yasiki stand out for me. Nice, man. Uh, we do have a special promo going on right now uh, with the promo code Caruso. You can get $1 NBA weekly pass. And that will get you to December 29th for the first week of the regular season. Uh, preseason, of course, starts today. We got some good content. I think we got some videos on the pipeline. Adam, you're talking about working on some of those. Uh, we also have El Negro Loco gathering all the news in one place for you guys. So that that's key in preseason to be able to win those contests. Make sure to use that promo code Crusoe for that $1 NBA weekly pass. You guys, we don't have Josh on the stream today to bully you for likes, so I'll have to just ask nicely. So if you could hit that thumbs up to give us some love, we greatly appreciate that. So thanks for hitting the like button. All right, we got 10 minutes probably to run down the rest of the games here, so I'll do it lightning fast. Tennessee, uh, no injuries. I see uh, Derek Henry uh, looks good. Corey Davis has been better than AJ Brown like on the season. That's to be one of the bigger surprises, right? Yeah, for sure. Uh, and it's not even like Brown's been bad. Davis has just been really good. Yeah, no one saw that coming. That's crazy. Jacksonville, Mike Glennon under center. Uh, I mean, James Robinson's been elite every week. Uh, maybe a good leverage play versus Henry. But both look to be kind of chalky. What are you thinking? Yeah, I think that they're both in good spots. Like Robinson just gets so much work. Henry, of course, is Henry. Um, there, There is ownership here, though. It's kind of interesting. Like we've seen a lot of weeks where Dalvin Cook is the really chalky running back and then Derrick Henry is the, the low on pivot. You kind of get the opposite this week where Cook is like $700 more expensive at a fraction of the ownership. Nice. So I lost my place for a second. Cardinals, Giants, uh, Fitzgerald's back, so no injuries on the Cardinals side. Daniel Jones back to the Giants. What do you think in this game? Not 
a ton to like here. Like I could see maybe getting the Cardinals stacks just because of the upside. Um, I went there heavily last week. And I think the the same thing holds here where you're just talking about low ownership going to really, really talented players and and guys like Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins, but um, not, you know, I think it's going to be tough to really allocate a lot of ownership to this game in general, because you're going to be paying up for the Cardinals when there's, you know, you could be paying up for the chiefs instead, for example. And then on the giant side, it's just really tough to get excited about anyone in particular. Definitely, yeah. Um, I think that DeAndre Hopkins is always an interesting play because he he's always a little bit lower on than all the other top and talents. So that could be one way to mix it up. Dallas, Cincinnati. Dallas is actually a favorite in this game because it's Andy Dalton and he's going up against Brandy, Brandon Allen. So battle of the backup QBs. Um, because of that, the players on Dallas, at least um, a couple of them look pretty nice. What, what do you think? Yeah, pretty solid values on Dallas. The whole team's priced down. Um, Zeke at 6,600, projected for lower ownership than David Montgomery. No issues there. CeeDee Lamb and, and Michael Gallup, um, both you know sub 5K and sub 4K respectively. I think that on a slate kind of starving for value, those guys are going to stand out. And then Cincinnati, uh, Brandon Allen, but it's not a great situation. So maybe for some Bernard for me. Jets, always our favorite team in daily fantasy. They never fail. Big news is Denzel Mims is out. Um, looks like I got to update that here. Uh, so what direction would that kind of take you in for the Jets, if any? I'll throw some darts at, at receivers. I mean, Crowder should be good, but kind of has been outside of his two touchdowns. He's kind of been um, disappointing recently. Perriman should be more involved and he's cheap. Uh, maybe you see some more like Braxton Berrios. It, it's, they're, they should be throwing a lot. It's just a matter of Sam Darnold's the one doing the throwing. <laughs> yeah, I think Jeff Smith, well, let me see what his price is real quick because I feel like he may be the guy that uh, that backs up yeah. Mims. So Jeff Smith is 3K. He's actually had some decent performances this year, so that could be the sneaky pick. The Jets. Yeah, the the last time Mims was out, uh, four targets for Smith, but eleven the game before that, nine the game before that. Yeah, it looks like Jeff Smith hasn't done much of this, uh, so that is caveat. But Seattle's in a good spot; they are huge favorites. That makes it kind of tough to feel confident about the stack. But I mean, they're projected for thirty-one points, so I feel like we got to take some shots. What do you do when a good passing team is? It's, Oh, such a big favorite. Yeah, I mean, we've kind of already seen that a few times this year with teams against the Jets where, like, ownership doesn't really come in on the passing game because the the team is such a big favorite. But then they just throw up, like, four touchdowns in the first half. I, I know Kansas City comes to mind there. People kind of stayed away, and Mahomes just went nuts in, in the first half. So um, there, there's certainly risk. You also have Seattle talking about wanting to run the ball more. But, um, you know, the, the ownership, I think, looks great on the Wilson, Lockett, Metcalf stacks. I agree with that. It's uh, it's a situation where you, you you hope they like keep passing even though they're up, and Seattle has been passing at a, a good rate this year. They're in the top ten teams as far as pass rates, so that is a real possibility. Colts Raiders, um, the running backs and the Colts are kind of hard to peg. Tilton's seen his price come up, but he's been good. And then uh, on the other side, I think Josh Jacobs is still out. I want to double check that. Looks like he's limited. So 
Um, no clarity there. What, what's going on at running back? What are you going to do with this game? Kind of interested in Jonathan Taylor, only 5,800. Uh, we've seen him be the primary guy the last two games he's played with uh, 13 carries last week, 22 in week 11 against Green Bay. Uh, so at that price and relatively low ownership, I think that I'll have some interest in Taylor. Um, tough to really prioritize receivers between Hilton and, and Pittman, I think. Um, either are fine in tournaments, but neither one is likely to be a priority for me. Um, as far as the Raiders go, you know, pretty solid Indianapolis defense. And nothing in particular standing out to me. Um, like you said, still waiting on Josh Jacobs news. Um, but uh, as far as the receivers go, I don't think that there's really going to be a priority. So it basically just leaves Darren Waller if you're paying up a tight end. Nice. Redskins 49ers. Redskins have been pretty good and their defense has really been delivering. So um, and with Antonio Gibson's status in doubt, they only have a 20 team total, but that does seem to open up some love for McKissick. And then Logan Thomas had a huge week. Terry McLaurin, we know this talent. I'm kind of liking these Redskins. What do you think? I, I think Thomas is probably my favorite piece here just because he's still so cheap. Um, even going into last week, he led the team in red zone targets this year. So the opportunities have been there. And you do have, you know, for, for all the knocks against Alex Smith, he is at least, you know, more efficient and, and able to put the ball where he wants it to than someone like Kyle Allen that Thomas was catching passes from earlier this year. So um, I, I think Thomas is still a good pay down option. McLaurin's fine. Um, I, I do just kind of have concerns about him in general playing with Alex Smith because the average depth of target comes down. Smith's less likely to take deep shots to McLaurin and McLaurin's playing through a bit of an injury as well. Um, as far as the backfield goes, I'm kind of interested to see how it plays out because we've seen Peyton Barber sort of be the early down back when it isn't Gibson and then McKissick be used in the passing down role. I don't know if that'll continue or if McKissick maybe gets some more carries. I think that you potentially are looking at just kind of a timeshare between these two that would make it just generally unappealing. Yes. Um, yeah, that, that's always tough when you got that third down receiving back um, where Peyton Barber doesn't really catch passes. So it's game script sitch. New Orleans Saints, Eagles, Taysom Hill is getting one more start. It looks like Michael Thomas has been getting like insane targets with him, though. So that's interesting. Then Jalen Hurts is leading the Eagles this week. And uh, they're only projected for 18 points for tough Saints defense. So what are you seeing? Yeah, it's a tough Saints defense, but I am kind of interested in Hurts, maybe even just running like Hurts naked because of the lack of value on the slate. Like he gives you rushing upside. I think that I don't I don't necessarily know that he brings any one particular receiver along with him, but I don't think it would be surprising to see, you know, a 15 to 20 point fantasy game from Hurts, even if the Eagles as a whole don't do great. Definitely. Yeah, I think that is, um, is something we should be looking out for where if you get that um, – rushing QB that that adds a lot of soul value where at his price point if he gets a couple passing touchdowns and a rushing touchdown like he could just be the key to this slate so I do think that also the Eagles will throw the ball less with Hurts um because of that so maybe not against receivers yeah I, I think there could just kind of be limited possessions in general in this game when you're talking about Jalen Hurts against Taysom Hill that was the second point, yeah. Last game on the main slate, 13 games this week. This one's going to be fun. We got Falcons versus Chargers. Um, we just got the news that Julio is out this week. That opens up Calvin Ridley and Russell Gage. 
to significant workloads against the Chargers team that has uh, dropped the ball to say the, the least. I would say I think they got like absolutely smoked by the Patriots last week. Um, the Chargers, uh, they do have some really talented guys. So Keenan Allen's gotten it done time and time again. Austin Eckler, one of the most interesting like dual threat running backs. I guess that's not a thing, but <laughs> I think uh, there's some fantasy guys we, we love on this game. So I'm kind of liking it. What are you What are you thinking? Yeah, I expect to lose a bunch of money on the Falcons like I do every week that Julio's out because the rates are going to go up. Like the, the projected rates for guys like Ridley and Gage and Hurst are going to increase. Their salaries are, are cheaper than they they should be for the opportunities. But so far, at least this year, the offense has just been really inefficient without Julio on the field. But, the you know, the thing you kind of run into with NFL DFS is you're talking about really small sample sizes. So you don't want to read too much into the fact that Julio not being on the field makes Matt Ryan – uh, uh, like incapable of, of completing a pass. Um, so I'll still be going back to these guys. Hurst in particular, 3,700, I think looks really appealing. Um, on the other side, Eckler, I think is one of my favorite plays this week. He's only projected for like 15% ownership right now. He's affordable at 7K. He disappointed a lot of people last week, but he still had nine targets in that game. Had 16 the week before that. Has a good quarterback in Herbert to get him the ball. I think Eckler is going to be one of, if not the best uh, fantasy running backs the rest of the way. And getting him at this price point, I think is still a steal awesome man i like it so we uh we're gonna build some three max lineups let's do two DraftKings and one FanDuel. so um let's actually talk about a specific three max contest just so we have a reference point for how big the tournament is so uh one of the industry favorites i know at least uh, among the uh dfs uh analyst community is the spy $100 entry, 100K to first with 5,000 people. Um, it has that, that medium size entries. Uh, so we're getting a, um, because it's a single entry, it's kind of a softer field, but we only get one shot at it. So how would you go about picking your stack? Because I feel like that's kind of the first decision I usually make. Yeah, typically I just kind of go through the the top stack, to- a combination of the top stack tool and individual players from those stacks and kind of see what lines up for me, like what, what stack is showing up as being under owned in the top stack tool combined with what individual players do I think are, are showing up as being under owned. Um, so, you know, this week, obviously you have Kansas city at the top. So that's a team that I would probably be trying to seek at, at least like, what do my Kansas city teams look like? You know, is it, how much do I have to sacrifice to get there? And then if I can't get to that, I'd start to be interested in teams like Green Bay, um, potentially like Seattle or, uh, you know, maybe going down a little bit further to, to the team we talked about, like Minnesota. Nice. Um, what's, uh, I, so I guess we got to narrow it down, maybe because it's a 5K person tournament we go a little bit shockier with the stack and then we'll differentiate a little bit more at other positions so um you were saying you like green bay and kansas city yeah okay so i think uh maybe if you guys have in the chat any stacks you'd like to see you know let us know here um i think it's so tough to choose between them uh, so I'm, I'm having trouble like coming up with a, a rationale so I'm, I guess um, 
what I'm seeing here is Kansas City. There's a bigger differential between the quarterback ownership and the top. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Sack percentage, even though uh, the ownership is higher than Aaron Rodgers. So how do you feel about a cheap stack? Yeah, I think if, if we can make it work, it's it's great. All right, so let's put Mahomes in. We got to decide who we're pairing him off with. I think that you could do a Hill and Kelsey lineup, but we're going to be really dying for value at the end that might funnel us into a tough lineup build. So between Kelsey and Hill, how would you decide which way to go? I, I like the idea of – Kelsey, I think, because he has the the potential to give you such a raw point advantage over where most of the field goes at tight end. Um, kind of, I guess, the counter argument would be that you there, there's plenty of cheap tight ends that you can throw darts with, like you know Jasicki or or Goddard or whoever. But um, you know, kind of like you saw last week when with, with Waller, like when when someone like Kelsey or Waller has a big game by their standards, it just blows everything else out of the water at that position. So it, it makes paying up there um I, I think a pretty high upside play as long as there's not a lot of ownership going there and, and there really isn't with kelsey right now nice yeah i mean <laughs> like he's so much better than every other tight end it's it's hard to not uh put him in the lineup here we're tyree kill at 8500 while he had that huge game making the season numbers look better than kelsey i mean um the price is 1k higher and we have a long history of them being pretty much on par. So I think I like Kelsey. Now, I guess one, decide- one other consideration just kind of unique to this game is that if you're looking to game stack it, like you ha- you do have that cheap tight end in, in Jasicki coming from the other side that's probably the best receiving option on the, the Dolphins. Nice. Yeah, so that would be an interesting build with, uh, if we go double tight end. Our other options, I, I do feel like – we probably want a dolphin uh, here because they are somewhat cheap and good values where maybe that uh, if that player does well, we'll get some more passing value from the chiefs. So do you agree with that? And are you thinking just for the unique lineup build or would you rather go to Gaskin and Parker? Yeah. I, th- I think in lineups where I'm going Kelsey, I would rather go Gaskin. And then in lineups where I use Hill, I'd probably use just Awesome. Let's do it. Let's put in Gaskin. I think he's a great play. I mean, uh, he came back from the IR last week and resumed pretty much a full workload. He ran routes on half the plays, and um, I guess I should have had that. Well, he uh, there really isn't a lot of competition for carries between Salman Ahmed, who's still banged up, and Lynn Bowden, who's kind of a 
running back slash wide receiver combo. So Gaskin saw 85% of the carries last week. Now that Salvin Ahmed is back, maybe that goes down a little bit, but still really solid workload. All right, so we got uh, running back tight end. Let's go to the wide receiver. Um, so I feel like we need to uh, we need to identify someone that's a little bit on the cheap side because we went expensive uh, at our stack to make this work. So uh, is there anyone that's a cheaper wide receiver that's standing out to be on the slate offhand, or do we, should we go through the list? Uh, yeah, I mean, so on DraftKings, I think we, we mentioned that we mentioned the um, Broncos receivers being cheap. One guy that I noticed kind of going through the slate too is that Darnell Mooney is only thirty five hundred against a Houston secondary that should just get trashed. Um, the big thing for Mooney this year hasn't been a lack of opportunity; it's been that his court the, the quarterback play is terrible. But I think it's really tough to find receivers this cheap that give you that like kind of slate breaking upside that Mooney potentially does. Definitely. Yeah. I like Mooney a lot. I think that's a great recommendation. Um, his workload has his fantasy points per game of eight really undersells his value on the bears here. He ran routes on 95% of plays at 3,500 on a team that has good passing volume. I mean, all the signs are pointing to, to Mooney being a really solid play that casual players who make up more of this contest may not go to because he hasn't had that game where he's really cruised yet. So I like that a lot. Now we got 5k left. Let's throw in our defense here. Um, it'll just make our process a little bit easier to, to peg how much salary we got left. I'm starting from the bottom up here as far as salary. One that jumps out, Bengals versus Dallas at 2300. I mean, Andy Dalton doesn't throw a ton of picks, but He's not good either, so kind of liking that. Are there any defenses that are jumping out at you? I think both sides of that Cincy game, um, Dallas and Cincy, you know, both going against kind of questionable offenses. Dallas getting a lot more ownership, um, but I think they're kind of the best projected point per dollar. Um, so I think, you know, going to either of those teams makes a lot of sense. Nice, I like it. So I, I do feel like um, Brandon Allen's the worst quarterback as far as turning the ball over, so – Let's just put in the Cowboys. If our lineup ends up being a little bit chalky, we can reassess that. So uh, I feel like we do need to start thinking about a contrary option here um, because I feel like these guys all have fairly decent ownership. So as far as guys that may be a little bit under-owned, I remember you mentioned the Minnesota Vikings, how you thought um, – uh, did you mean the receivers in particular in Jefferson or Thielen or also Cook or – yeah, I mean, any of them. Like, right now we have Thielen's the highest projected ownership at 8%. Um, you know, he's probably going to get fewer yards than Jefferson, but he's the preferred red, uh, red zone target for Cousins. So there's a lot of, of touchdown upside there. I think, you know, Cook probably a little expensive for this lineup, but fitting in a Thielen or a Jefferson shouldn't be that tough, I don't think. Awesome, man. I like it. Let's put in Thielen, try to get some of those touchdowns. Uh, we got 5K, 5.3K left per player so um going through let's pick a running back here so going through the list mike davis a cc 400 um stands out uh value options i think giovanni bernard uh that's running back versus our defense but 
in a different lineup. I think he'd be pretty solid. Shading the Kissy at 4,900. Ty Johnson, he's the only running back in uh, New York. If Frank Gore misses this game, I think he's ruled out. Or maybe he just has a concussion. Uh, but honestly, I'm not seeing any like smash plays that on the cheap end at running back. So should we go for a mid range and try to find some value elsewhere? Yeah, I think I like going mid range and then just using. Th- th- there's a lot of cheap receiver options that th- they're not like locks to do well, but they at least have that upside. Whereas I think the running back value is kind of shaky this week. So I, I think you're gonna probably get more upside by going to like a mid range guy, whether it's a Davis or an Eckler or Carson or something like that, and then you know hoping for the best from a cheaper receiver. I like it, man. Let's go with Eckler. Uh, I mean, match versus Atlanta is solid, but his. Uh... His big thing is being able to rack up those uh, receiving yards, just a huge amount compared to any other running back. Uh, and he's getting a lot of the rushing attempts as well. So I think that um, that's a really solid indication. And he didn't have a big week last week. So I don't think he'll be super high owned. Now we have 4,500 left per player. I feel like we need to um, maybe find another diamond in the rough here. So. You did mention that, um, let's see, uh, Tim Patrick stands out at 4,200 going up against Carolina. I mean, he's uh, he's someone that has had big performances recently, 20 points in two of the last three games. And the other, he had zero. <laughs> so <laughs> like that was pretty, pretty crazy. Um, I think he might have gotten injured. So I don't really remember, but. Uh, another option is Russell Gage. He might uh, – he's in the same game as Eckler. With Julio Jones out, he should be getting more more routes and more targets. So between Tim Patrick and Russell Gage, which way would you lean? I really like both, but I do in this particular lineup um, because of having Eckler. I think that Gage is uh, – you know, being in that game is a solid tiebreaker. Awesome, man. I like it. Let's put in Gage. 4,500 left, so we're just scrolling through the um, the list here. One that jumps out immediately is Jasicki. He's exactly the right price at 4,500, running back two against our one. But it, it, the one that we have is, like, absolute monster. So, like, would that be a, a pick that might stand out to you, given that if it's our lineup perfectly? I do like it, even though it's weird. Like the the thing is, normally I don't want to play two tight ends, but when one of them's Kelsey, it's kind of like you're playing one tight end and Kelsey's a receiver. So I don't mind that. Um, and then also, it's a weird stack having the two pieces coming back. But like you said, Mahomes and Kelsey potentially are going to account for um, so much of that that Kansas City offense that it sort of is nice because it just makes you it helps make you unique in that in the roster construction because not that many people are going to take two guys um, from the other team. Plus they're like Jasicki and Gaskin aren't both pass catchers. So it's not like if Jasicki and Gaskin both have big games Tua necessarily had a big game and then it would be somebody you need. So I think that it, most of the reasons that like I normally wouldn't like it don't really apply to this game. So I'm, I'm fine with it. Awesome, man. Let's go with Jasicki then. I, I like it. It'll be, uh, I think you hit on something. This is just a stack that people aren't going to set if they're using an optimizer. Because like most people, they'll they'll set like maybe one or two uh, wide receiver tight end with their quarterback, and then um, they'll run it back with one maybe like 
I've seen a lot of people, if they have two run backs, they might sack two from the same team. So I just feel like less people will land on that um, using Optimizer, which is a, a good chunk of player pool here. So we did get our value rankings greater than 90%. Contrarian ranking is less than 10%. So I feel like our lineup builder here is telling us we gotta we gotta mix it up a little bit somewhere. Um, and the reason why is because uh, the guys we spent up on are among the higher owned options, like Mahomes being the highest owned quarterback. So I think that's why it's dinging us here. But I, I, I think we like are feeling like this line may be more contrary than this indicates because of double tight end. So what, what are you thinking when we see this uh, feedback? Yeah, I think that it, it's a situation where we used a really weird build. So it kind of offsets some of the individual ownership concerns. Awesome, man. I like it. So let's, uh, let's do another one here. We got 15 minutes, two lineups. We want to mention you can get all of uh, this lineup builder on awesome.com. Uh, you can get the express version, which has my value rankings and points grades. Um, the 395 week, this is the full version. Uh, we really designed this to be the ultimate tool for hand builders because it gives you feedback about exactly how good your lineup is compared to other lineups in the tournaments you're playing. I feel like it's the only tool that does that with the contrary and ranking and value ranking. So that kind of feedback, uh, usually you're running those numbers up to 100% or more. That indicates on average, in, when considering both of those metrics, your lineup's going to be better than the field. Now we did break our own rule here, uh, but we had a justification for doing it. So let's start a new one. Maybe we picked uh, the chalk quarterback in our first so let's mix it up a little bit let's go with a contrarian stack which ones are looking good to you um do you want to go arizona only getting 2.7 percent quarterback ownership it looks like yeah let's do it man that's insane i mean uh kyler murray like he had a couple off weeks but uh he obviously adds a ton of value being a russian quarterback uh, his rushing attempts haven't been that high in the last three games. So uh, I don't know exactly what to make of that. He had that injury. It's hard to know exactly his health, but that potential at 2.7% ownership is huge. So let's put in Kyler Murray. As far as stack pairings, I feel like Fitz being back in the, the lineup here makes it. So we have Kirk. We have um, Hopkins. Those are really our two options. Which way would you lean? Uh, I, I want to go to Hopkins. Just, I mean, when you're getting so you're getting like 10% combined ownership between Kyler Murray and Hopkins. That's, that's such a high ceiling pairing at low ownership. I agree, man. That's a great pairing, especially with uh, the ownership looking at here. So we did spend a lot on our stack. So we need some value plays. Uh, first we could go down to Darnell Mooney again. Uh, Let's let's see what our other options are. Uh, Perryman at thirty nine hundred. Anthony Miller is actually more expensive than Darnell Mooney. That's odd. Uh, <laughs> I don't think. Did we have Tim Patrick in our other one? We did not. Let's throw in Tim Patrick. I think that he's a solid value this week. 
Now, so let's think about the run back to our sack here. So the Giants are getting back Daniel Jones this week. Uh, so that does improve the outlook for Slayton and Sterling Shepard. Um, and then Evan Ingram's a, a decent tight end. So uh, do you want to run it back with one of those three guys? Yeah, I kind of like using Ingram just because the tight end position is always so weak. Um, I, I like the idea of being able to use a pretty solid tight end as part of my stack. So at least I'm getting correlation from one of the weaker plays in the lineup. Awesome, man. Let's do it. Let's put it in Ingram. Uh, so we got to get some running backs in here. And uh, Miles Gaskin at 5,600. That was the one we had in our lineup last time. Um one guy that's kind of jumping out at me is Bernard because uh, Joe Mixon is out again this week. His price is a little bit low. He got 80% of the carries in both of the last two weeks. And we know that he's even better at uh, receiving. So am I crazy for thinking Bernard is actually kind of a good play this week? No, I'm there with you. I mean, the the production hasn't really matched the workload he's gotten, and there's no guarantee that changes this week. Like, it's still a bad offense with Brandon Allen at quarterback and all that. But, um, you know, it's it's a week where there's not a ton to love at, at cheap running backs, and so the opportunity cost is a little bit lower. Um, I have no issue taking that workload and just kind of hoping he ends up in the end zone a couple times. Awesome, man. We'll see. Let's put in Bernard. Um, just really good value on a slate where there aren't a lot of good – Running by so cheap. Let's do a defense. Uh, we got a little bit more money this time, so I feel like we can scroll up the list a little bit. Now, um, the guys or the the teams I'm looking at here, we got uh, Washington football team versus San Francisco. Nick Mullins hasn't been bad with passing efficiency, but his career he's always struggled with throwing interceptions. So that's uh, one option that is standing out to me. And uh, let's see the other good matchups. Carolina at 2,900 versus Denver, but we have Tim Patrick. Seattle at 3K versus the Jets. That's screaming like ultra chalk to me. Um, and then the Titans versus Glennon at 3,100. So which one are you feeling? I think I like Washington. Like the, the defensive line gives you a nice floor from um, sack upside in addition to the fact that Mullins will turn the ball over. Awesome, man. I like it. So uh, we got 6,300 left per player. That's a pretty good budget here. Uh, let's put in our next running back. So we do have to get one stud in our lineup to really make this salary work. So the top options this week at running back are Cook and Henry. Um at wide receiver, we have Devontae Adams. So between those three, which spend up do you think would fit in this lineup? Uh, I really like going to Adams. Awesome. Let's do that. Yeah, I mean, the match versus Detroit is amazing. So he definitely is going to give our quite a little bit more punch. And we got to go to a running back then that's a little bit mid-range. So the guys that might be good options are Miles Gaskin, um, J.D. McKissick is 4,900. Uh, running back and defense paired, but in the wrong way, I'd say. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so. We also just got news that David Johnson might not be with the team. Oh, really? Wow. So that would potentially open up Duke Johnson if he's there. But 
we'll still talk about those prices. 4,800. It'll kind of mess with our line of builder. So, yeah. um, how do you feel about going back to Gaskin? Yeah, I, I, I expect Gaskin to be one of my highest owned guys this week. Awesome. Let's, uh, let's throw Gaskin in 4K left. Um, so, the options at 4K, this is like a mid price for the, the running back. So, it's kind of hogging up the draft screen here. For us hand builders, um, so we got Anthony Miller, Johnny Smith, uh, we got Gallup. I'm not loving these options, to be honest. Um, is there anyone that you're liking at Borka or Bola? Not really. It's, <laughs> pre- it's a pretty gross price. Like, yeah, it's, it's gross. Like, the I think the best 4k plays or tight ends but i really don't want to go ingram plus another tight end um yeah it's pretty gross i, I guess perriman could be a solid option like you, you don't have mims perriman's been a high upside guy anyway the jets should be throwing the entire game i think perriman is <laughs> not bad let's do it let's put it in perriman here so we'll see how this stacks up as far as our contrary and value rankings Greater than 90% value ranking, 20 to 30% contrary ranking. So by that metric, we did a little bit better than our first lineup. What do you think? Yeah, I think it looks pretty good. Awesome. So uh, I think if we spend some more time, maybe we could up that contrary ranking. But uh, it adds up to 115 if you average them. So that is very solid. Or wait, 95 and 25, 120. Okay, so that, that beats our rule of 100. Let's do a FanDuel lineup really quick. We got five minutes, and we got another show coming after us, so we got to make this one snappy. Uh, on FanDuel, is there any stacks standing out that might not be in reference? Um, it looks like the same ones as DraftKings pretty much. Okay, so <clears throat> let's uh, let's – I feel like um, Carolina stands out. Um, they have uh, DJ Moore out this week, and Denver is a good matchup, so we get a little bit of price discount. So how do you feel about Bridgewater paired with um, with Robbie Anderson? Yeah, I think it looks good. Awesome. We'll see that. And then Denver, the runbacks uh, would be – Judy and DJ, or sorry, Judy and Patrick uh, for the most part, or we could go tight end with no fans. Is there any one of those guys you like? I like Patrick. Awesome. So I'll go to Patrick again. Uh, I got a nice little lineup going here. So uh, as far as FanDuel plays, uh, the salary caps are usually a little bit less restrictive so we gotta spend up on some more studs uh we uh are there any like top options you like this week we got dalvin cook at 10.2 derrick henry at 9.6 and Devante at 9.6 as well yeah i think i mean uh adams being cheaper than cook i think makes him pretty appealing awesome so let's put in adams we need some some running backs here so uh, one thing I'm, I'm skipping over is Curtis Samuel because he is questionable for this game. So that would be someone I'll love to get in this lineup if he plays. If he doesn't, 
then I think that there should be other options that in the team that are decent. At running back, we got Montgomery at 6.6, Mike Davis at 6.8, and DeAndre Swift at 6.9. Montgomery uh, has, a, has a good matchup versus Houston. Davis would be a double stack with Bridgewater and Swift. Good matchup versus Green Bay and good workload, but coming off that injury, which of those three do you think fits here? Um, I'd lean towards Montgomery. Awesome. I like that. It's the cheapest, too. And uh, that Davis correlation may not be exactly the direction we want to go. Let's do a defense. We've got two minutes here. Um, so looks like uh, their uh, Carolina's defense is, is probably a good buy, but we have a Denver player. So then we got Dallas at 3,500 or Cincinnati at 3,600 in this match with Dalton and Brandon Allen. Or um, New Orleans versus Jalen Hurts could be an interesting spend up. Uh, I'm kind of thinking we did a, a Dallas defense lineup already. Maybe we go with Cincinnati in this one. Yeah, I think that makes sense. Awesome. So tight end, what are we doing? Um, I mean, you, you would, I think, like to get up to like a Kelsey or Waller if you can. Um, we do have some salary left, but uh, if not, you know, going down to one of the, you know, cheap guys, whether it's like, you know, Ingram again or something, but um, uh, 8,200 for Kelsey, we'd still have like 6,600 per position. I like him, man, that's solid. So we've got a lot of flexibility here. So put in Kel- uh, Kelsey. Um, so we could spend up on one player and go for a value option, or we could try to do balance. If we do a spend up, James Robinson at 8K at running back, Derek Henry at 9.6, that would leave us exactly the minimum. Uh, Zeke at 7.6 against our defense, we don't like that. So this is kind of leading me down to Eckler again at 7,500. What are you thinking? Yeah, I still like it. He's he's less valuable on FanDuel, but the price tag I think is still just not where it should be. Awesome. So we got 5,600. Uh, so let's throw in one more guy here. We do the same strategy with Jerry Judy that we did before. Um, so I think uh, soft hands Judy makes sense because it, it is part of the stack, even though it's two running it back. What do you think? Yeah, I think think that makes sense. Awesome. So we got a nice little lineup here. Uh, and hopefully that gives you guys some ideas for week. Uh, 14 and uh, guys make sure to uh, subscribe to the channel on your way out and thanks for supporting Osmo on the YouTube and on the site Adam thanks a lot for for uh, building these lineups it was a lot of fun we got Kyle and Greg following us uh, doing the start on the sit show so make sure to tune in that for your season long stuff and we'll see you this weekend with some more NFL live streams
It's the awesome NFL fantasy football start sit show week 14. We're already mixing it up. It was like, Hey, the first 13 weeks, that went fine, but we're going to, we're going to mix up the programs. Now I'm being added in with Kyle. I think you were doing it with Matt earlier in the year. And then I was checking out to try to figure out how the show went. And I see you did it by yourself last week. I was like, Oh, we can't have, can't have that. I got to help Kyle out. So Kyle, how's it going? And are you happy to be doing it with me or, or do you prefer to do the show by yourself? Like, I don't mind doing a show by myself, but at the end of the show, like, I talk for 50 minutes straight, and it's not like talking to your friends where it, like, ebbs and flows. Like, I'm, like, projecting my voice, trying to, like, you know, impose some inflection, have excitement at certain spots, and do, like, bits and stuff. I was, like, physically tired after that show. I had, like, other work to do, and I was like, I need an hour to, like, decompress after that. So I am very much glad to have someone who can just, like, reel my thoughts in and literally give me chances to breathe. Yeah, I, I've done a podcast by myself before. I did one for a while, and I couldn't believe anybody listened because number one, it was like if anybody's listening, they would only be listening for me at that point. And it's like I barely like myself, so now these other people do. I was like, that's that's a whole issue. And then I'm judging the people who are listening to me talking to myself because like there's nothing wrong with these people too. So here's the good news: we already have some questions, um, and the, the YouTube chat appears to be a little off the rails right now. But hopefully, people have some have some start sit questions you can fire in and. We will get to those. Uh, one that we already have from CC Gons 19 in our premium chat. He says, with Julio out, who can I play on the flex? His options are Singletary, Mooney, or Kirk. I'd probably go with Darnell Mooney here. I think his his role, like all the guys have similar roles in that they're not great, but they're good enough except his team is the one who is most skewing towards the thing he does, which is he catches passes. Whereas the bills, I know they entered last week with the second fewest rushing, the second fewest running back rush attempts in the entire league. The bears are right now leading the NFL in pass percentage. And I don't think that really changes too much going forward, given that they're not a very good team. So they can't really get up and establish it. So I'm going to go with Mooney. I think his volume is the best. He's got a lot of air yards behind his targets and uh, like, I don't know. I really was uh, kind of disappointed what we've seen from Kirk with Fitzgerald out. Like I was, I was thinking, oh, it's going to be somebody. It's going to be Andy Isabella. Andy Isabella. It's going to be Christian Kirk. One of these guys is going to have that blow up game and make all of my uh, Kyler stacks work out. It's like Keyshawn Johnson had more targets than those guys. So I think it really is like DeAndre Hopkins or bust for that team. So I'll go with Mooney here. So one thing I will say also though is I think a lot of these are kind of. Uh, at least the question like that is going to depend on what the situation is also. I don't know about you, but I do perceive Mooney having a little bit of a higher floor than Singletary, but Singletary may be having a higher ceiling, right? Because, you know, Singletary got off to a good start last week and was getting most of the touches until he briefly got hurt. And then, you know, Zach Moss ended up coming in also. So I think it also depends, like, are you projected to win or lose against your opponent? Because that's a lot of something I'll take into consideration also when I'm setting lineups is, and, and I know uh, one league for me in particular, like I had a league where I started Daryl Henderson last night. That didn't go well. So now, so now it's like I need, I need to find upside in some of my other plays. So that's something else that will kind of impact how I uh, approach some of my lineups. And I think it, relative to what happened last night, uh, I think we should talk about that because, you know, there were some busts, la- more than some busts last night. Yeah. Like, unless you unless you rostered Cam Akers, chances are if you rostered somebody last night, they probably busted. How are you approaching some of those teams? If you had a player on Thursday that didn't do well, and obviously this being a must-win week for most people, uh, this generally being the first week of the playoffs. Yeah, so I have a perfect example. I, I played Cooper Cup, who was fine, but I played against Cam Akers, who, who buried my Cooper Cup. And the projection for them was probably the opposite, where – Given the uncertainty around Acres, I think maybe you would have projected, you know, Cooper Cup to go out and outscore him. 
obviously didn't happen. And now I'm facing a, a pretty big underdog situation. I'm really concerned with like someone like Clyde or Tulare. He can literally go out and get eight carries and, and completely dust me. His team also has a crazy implied team total that gives him multi-touchdown upside. If I'm looking at decisions between you know him and someone with arguably a safer floor, I can't really afford to to go for that floor. I'm gonna shoot for these like multi-touchdown games. Another one is like this is kind of more niche, but if you like, I'm facing in that same league, uh, Justin Herbert like double stack. It's like Hunter Henry, uh, Keenan Allen, and Justin Herbert on the same like single team. I, I'm looking to pick up at least have in the bag Atlanta defense because they also play at four o'clock. I think if uh, if I end up getting buried by the early games, I need to embrace like all of that volatility. I need to be like massively negatively correlated to my opponent's lineups. It was a super deep dynasty league and someone had the Falcons defense rostered already. So it didn't even matter. But like those kinds of things were looking at your opponent's lineup versus your lineup and whether or not you're like negatively correlating with them or just increasing your volatility is I think like a, a small edge we can still squeeze out in like season long leagues. Uh, yeah. And that's definitely something I'm thinking a lot about too. And it's kind of something that comes into play in DFS too. Like if it's, if it's a head to head situation or even just a tournament and how, how we would utilize late swap, right. That's something I would think about in that same situation too, is like, Oh, it's a head to head. Who is, who is my opponent playing? Where are we in the standings going into say like a four o'clock game where we each have, you know, one or two players left. How could I late swap? How could I box them in? These are all sorts of things I consider. And it's kind of strategy that comes into play for, for yearly leagues with head to head also. Um, so, I mean, I, there's just different strategies to, to consider. And another thing also is, you know, we're in must-win games towards the end of the year. So does that also impact your decision-making at all? Are, are there players that you maybe would be scared to play because of volatility at this point of the year, or are you just kind of rolling with your best guys? I mean, I think I'm, like, generally just rolling with, like, like I, you could call it projections, I, like, or the best guys or whatever. I just think of it as, like, the highest median outcomes. But I think it just does depend. Like, if I, like, like this team that I'm talking about, I hate it so much because it's this dynasty team that I, I've, I've been to the playoffs four years in a row, and it looks pretty likely that I'll make a first-round exit every single year. And I think I've led the league in scoring, like, three of those years, too. Just, like, whatever whatever randomness is, has occurred has completely, like, not only buried this team, but, like, personally insulted my intelligence. So uh, it looks like I'm not going to win again this year. And I think it more depends on, like, I, I don't think the heightened pressure of this being a one-and-done game makes me more averse to, like, higher volatility players. It's more about, do I think I'm going to win or lose? If I think I'm going to lose, which in this case, it looks like I'm going to lose, I really need to turn up that volatility and just capture, even if it's a, a lower median projection, capture the potential that I pull off this upset. And especially, I honestly, I think in, in a game where it is like one and done and you win, honestly, I'm probably more likely, assuming I am like the, the underdog in this one, which looks to be the case, I'm much more likely to make what I think are the plus EV decisions. Like, Maybe I'll get a little a little lazy and I won't box in my opponent in week seven when I'm five, you know, five and one at that point or whatever. I think you have to maximize all of your edges when it's it's one game or you go home. If that means being an underdog and turning up the volatility because that's your best path to overcoming your opponent, I think you have to do that. And on the other hand, if you're the favorite, it's like playing the receiver, even a lower projected receiver that your opposing quarterback has. Like if you're facing Ben Roethlisberger, put Chase Claypool or Deontay Johnson in your lineup if you somehow weren't starting them. So those are the kind of decisions that I think like my DFS mindset still carries over into like a, a dozen or so season long leagues I have. 